with us down the rabbit hole. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. As we explore the odd and esoteric. If my answers frighten you, then you should cease asking scary questions. This is the AU Radio Underground Files. Ask not what your country can do for you, but why your country has been conducting a top-secret operation to create clones of each of its citizens for a clone deathmatch league. These are the Underground Files. This woman has a relatively clean criminal record, with the exception of the time she trained her cats to steal garden gnomes from her neighbors, but hey, we all do weird stuff in our early 20s. It's Hannah! (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) To my right, she's a lot of things, but she certainly isn't a Colombian drug lord turned informant for the DEA, adopting an entirely new identity provided by the Witness Protection Program. It's Joy. Now she's going to have to move again, I said she's not. It's fine. It was powdered sugar, I swear. Last but not least, he is the C-3PO of the gang. If C-3PO spoke way fewer languages, was way less shiny, but only slightly more into the band Cat Power. It's Travis at the controls. I I speak one and an eighth language. What's... (laughs) (laughs) I know. My name's Katie from the podcast, and uh, we are missing our Corey. We are missing our uh, Ice Shack man. Uh, He is about to go... He is currently on his way to go give the mouse some money. That Mick Mouse. <sighs> Charles yeah. Mick Mouse. You got <laughs> to pay the mouse, man. Uh, we miss you, Corey. Uh, it's a shame that you're not going to be here because this episode we're going to be talking about one of the most odd and esoteric phenomenon in uh, human culture. We're going to be talking about the MIB. Woo. Here come the men in black, man. <laughs> That's all I'm allowed to do without getting sued. So, uh... The cool thing about the Men in Black, and we're not talking about the movie series, although uh, we'll be touching on it a little bit, mostly being like, no, this is why they actually made that thing. They are not the suave designer suit donned men that you see in the movies with excellent mustaches. They (laughs) are actually incredibly terrifying entities, and they infect every aspect of all things odd and esoteric. They uh, are peppered in the occult. They are peppered in the Salem witch trials. They are there. You have, you can see versions of them throughout history and everywhere. Now I'm just viewing them in, in in like little black robes and, and like pilgrim hats. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whenever we uh, slightly less terrifying, so we are not even going to be coming close to scratching the surface when it comes to the Men in Black. These things are absolutely terrifying, and there is hundreds of hours of research to be done on this. So we'll definitely be doing more than one of these episodes. But for right now, we're going to be talking about a young man named—I mean, he's old and dead now—but um, <laughs> <laughs> at the time. Uh, Albert K. Bender. How many of you are familiar with Albert K. Bender? Heard a little bit about him. Okay, so you, Albert K. Bender was one of the most prolific ufologists in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, the first case in modern history of someone being approached by the MIB. He's the one that made it like incredibly famous. Uh, he's the author of of the reportedly nonfiction title, which is actually really good. I'm a big fan of it. Of flying saucers and the three men. And the most adorable nerd I've ever seen. This man is uh, the old guy from Up. <laughs> before that, that he was, was kind old of a and curmudgeon. Grudge. No, this is before he got all curmudgeon-y. He's, oh. he's just got a bow tie and Buddy Holly glasses, and he married a woman named Betty Rose. <laughs> so Bender's family was one of those families that always had weird stuff happen to them. Like, his entire family unanimously was like, they kind of had the Stanley Yelnats curse for a little bit. Um, his uncle almost died from being haunted by a ghost for weeks on end. Great, great, great pig stealing. <laughs> no good, great, great uncle. <laughs> so uh, Bender served in the U.S. Army Air Force during uh, World War II, where he reported to, quote, see flying discs in the sky. Uh, from June 8th, 1942 uh, to October 7th, 1943, as a stateside... Uh, so afterward, he uh, after he got out of there, he worked as a dental tech. But after, sorry, 
I'm getting facts jumbly. Uh, but after his honorable discharge from uh, active service in Langley Field, Virginia, Virginia CIA, uh, Bender re- relocated to his hometown of Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. Now, here's the thing about uh, Mr. Albert K. Bender. I cannot stress enough how big of just a blatant nerd this kid was. Um, Albert was employed as a chief timekeeper at Acme Shear Company, the world's largest manufacturer of scissors. He actually worked at Acme. Acme. (laughs) That's awesome. Yes. So um, this guy was the timekeeper. Do you guys know what job that is? I mean, Kronos, but... (laughs) No, he uh, because for some reason... So it was a job back in the day that was... That has been wildly outdated. Uh, he's nobody the human has punch this. clock, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. He's the human punch clock and would make sure that everybody had their amount, had was like managing their time well and would like blow the... He, and he loved his job. <laughs> he loved his job to the point where he was so obsessed with keeping time and clocks that he, that his uh, attic that he lived in at the time was wallpapered with clocks and all of the alarms would go off at once that that's how you get a serial killer <laughs> no he was just a cute old man hide, that liked clocks. bodies inside timepieces and oh do i have a news story for later <laughs> no he um <laughs> that's he not was, creepy at all no not even <laughs> a little bit so he uh but he was he was really he was always into like sci-fi and everything he would weird out his uh he would weird out his coworkers with his Halloween parties where he would just, but it was full on like peeled grapes and spaghetti noodles and with like. And he, the attic all going off at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that's not creepy at all. Yeah. No, he, um, but he would always complain. He had uh, reports in the book. He would always complain about, cause he would have people from the scissors factory come down and would have them uh, and would, this horror story just writes itself. No, I'm seriously. No, he would get like, no, like couples would come in because apparently everybody was dating each other at the uh, sheer, at the scissors factory, whatever. And uh, he would be like, and they would run to the arms of their strong boyfriend. <laughs> like, can you be any more serial killery? He's not a serial killer. He's a very sweet little guy. So uh, his sightings from his time in the Air Force fascinated him. So in 1952, he founded... The International Flying Saucer Bureau, which we will refer to as the IFSB. We will or you will? I I mean, you guys can call it what you want, but for like the listener's sake, maybe we should call it the same thing, Hannah. It was actually really wildly successful. Yeah, no, it Uh, was like super popular. It took off really fast. Yeah, they had like a magazine that that they came out with. Like they were super, super into it. Uh, The IFSB was the first independent UFO research organization, which um, they were essentially cute little nerds getting together and meditating and welcoming aliens. Because at the time, um, in the early 50s, everybody was really scared about, oh, God, what if aliens come? What if they're monsters? They're here to take over the human race. The IFSB was essentially the welcome crew. Yeah, they started, didn't they start like the Space Brothers movement? Yes. Yeah. So what they would do was they would sit in a room and they would meditate and they would essentially attempt to project themselves into space to send out the message of, hi, welcome, like, like, saw, dude. <laughs> so <laughs> um, this message to the uh, celestial beings did not go over well. His rooms continued to fill with the smell of sulfur and he was telepathically ordered to cease delving into matters that were not his concern. A yellow mist gathered in the attic. Undeterred though, Bender announced that the July issue of Space Review, which was the magazine that the IFSB would come out with all the, uh, once a month, would hold a startling revelation. This issue never appeared in print. Why? he was starting to get harassed. Ooh. So soon after the uh, the IFSB was established, they would receive harassing phone calls from distorted uh, voices instructing them to rem- immediately cease their research. Now, normally, you could chalk this up to prank callers. But uh, consistently, everybody in the IFSB says, no, 
the people that were approached by the men in black, because it wasn't just Bender, they would, uh, they were like, that's exactly what they sounded like. Like when I spoke to the men in black, this is, that was their voice. So consistently they were like, totally lost my train of thought. Well, Sorry. yeah, I mean, some of the reports, their, their, uh, their voice is slightly atonal. Um, their cadence is wrong. Yeah. Um, effectively it's it's kind of like there's always something off as well yeah. as uh they tended to be described as uh very thin on the point of mm -hmm. anorexia either very pale or uh, like the undertone of their skin would be off yeah um so a lot of people assume that they were sick or um yeah. is something to that effect uh but they didn't sweat but yet they looked clammy or mm -hmm. or the shine on their skin was wrong um, so it it led to a lot of speculation as to whether they were actually human or not. I, so, I'm pretty sure that the men in black are just aliens trying to hide aliens from us. So absolutely. I I agree with you. Uh, later, we'll be getting into a little bit of reports on the appearance of men in black. It's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. So. They should really take some like some hints from the lizard people and get some better skin suits. Yes. Right. <laughs> Like maybe that's why we see less and less men in black and more and more lizard people. They're wiping them out. Ooh, because the men in black aren't doing a good enough job of hiding. Get it together, guys. <laughs> so this is so after the phone call started, Bender realized that he was being followed almost daily. Now listen to this nightmare fuel, boys and girls. Albert Bender was attending a movie alone when he began experiencing an uneasy feeling. He turned his head to the end of the seating aisle to see a bald man in a black suit lily white skin painted red lips and glowing humming red eyes crouched behind a seat bug-eyed staring at him he looks again guy is gone tell me that's not something that haunts your nightmares for the rest of your days first of all second it wasn't just glowing red eyes they were making noise they were going wow wow they were like humming it was the hypnotoad yeah yes <laughs> oh glory okay so the amount of sci-fi tropes that we get that that we get from this from reports of the men in black is absolutely staggering you're like oh wait <laughs> this was the first ever time anybody had ever talked about this so in july 1953 albert bender was visited at his home by three men quote unquote uh bender stated all of them were dressed in black clothes they looked like clergymen but wore hats the notorious men in black always come in threes. That is something um, that is actually pretty consistent in a lot of different reports. A lot of the stories, reports. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot of time it's three men. Well, at least they were wearing black hats and not red hats because, you know, nobody ever expects the Spanish ah, You did the thing and I'm mad about it, but I really appreciate it. I'm really upset about it. Yeah, the funny thing about the hats is, and in the suits to a certain extent uh, is throughout the eras, the hats don't generally change. They're almost always fedoras from the 40s or 50s. Yeah, I forget what the <laughs> name is. Like they haven't like caught up with the times. Yeah, they, it doesn't like, I mean, at least in the Will Smith movies, it was like this really nice like three piece suit after a while. But no, they're not. They're not exactly the most glamorous group of aliens. Well, and it, it, it it's kind of funny to me because even in the you know pop culture men in black films, they're like, we wear the suits to maintain anonymity and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you need to get with the times because a three-piece tuxedo in the middle of a city stands out. Yeah. You, you Unless are, you're on Wall Street. Yeah, You are purposely drawing attention to yourself at this point. Don't, don't hate just because he's got style, Hannah. God. I'm just saying, I see somebody walking down the street in a three-piece suit, black and white, I'm instantly like, I noticed that person. But it makes it easier to flashy thingy you. It's fair. They're okay. like, they're like, look at me. I understand like, what you're saying. But when you first said that it's easier to flashy thingy you, that is not the train of thought that I was going with. Space perverts. <laughs> I mean, if they can wipe your memory, how do you know? <gasps> Ew. That's that's a that's a that's a train of thought I do not want to go down. <laughs> Uh, so they communicated with Bender telepathically and, and instructed him to cease and desist all research. Now, this is a quote from the MI from the men in black themselves. 
you have dedicated yourself to the solution of the strange problem of the unidentified objects in your atmosphere. Your interest is deep and you have devoted many hours to it. Also know that such interest and determination will lead to something that could bring you harm. Now, wow. That's super sketch. Now imagine this. Imagine that's kind of sketchy just anybody saying that. But I'd note, you know, they're at least smart enough to make it so that the lawyers can't prosecute them because it's not technically a threat. No. Yeah, it, they're just cryptic enough about it. It's not a threat. It's, they have an it's excellent like, legal con- con- yeah. consult there. <laughs> they're like, hey, I'm not Crack legal team. <laughs> I'm not threatening you. I'm just telling you what you're doing could cause you harm. Now imagine this. Imagine. Now that's a creepy thing to say from anybody. Now imagine it is somebody with off-color skin. Um painted red lips, eyes that never blink, um, limb from a person, from a very tall man with very long limbs that don't bend correctly. Slenderman attorney at law. <gasps> exactly. Ew. Slenderman is a, is a MIB confirmed. <laughs> this man wears a lot of hats. <laughs> this guy's got a lot of jobs going on. So, Slenderman attorney at law. No, but then uh, he's, his clothes don't fit quite right. And you see, uh, whenever he sits down, you see a green cord running down his leg, plugged into a brown spot on his shin, um, requests salt when he needs to take a very large yellow pill. And in the moment that he needs the pill, his face gets incredibly red. And his voice is this like weird, choky, almost bark, like he doesn't quite I mean this was telepathically but even in his head Bender said it was like they didn't know how to words essentially <laughs> like like their okay their I got speech a, pattern was incredibly jumbled up I got a question yeah he's wearing a suit yeah how do you see his shins because telepathic no no, no because they're close <laughs> because their suits didn't fit right well, they need to get a new tailor. <laughs> yeah, if your shins are showing. <laughs> There's a problem. You've got some high Those water pants there. But one of my favorite things, though, is basically a lot of people's uh, like, okay, this is definitely a man in black because he didn't know how to human. And I love that the fact that in 1953, if you didn't know how to dress well, it was like, oh, God, yeah, definitely an alien. <laughs> and I- today we're just like, yeah, that's. That that's style that's or something. Oh, some God. subculture. I, yeah. I just love the idea now that I'm viewing Slenderman as uh, like a rogue MIB who's like, I can't deal with this garbage anymore. You guys can't keep your crap together. So uh, oh I'm going God. this way and I'm going to go do my He's own thing. He's an independent contractor now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where instead of like wiping people's memories, he just like eats kids. Well, well I mean, you know. The best way to protect the secrets is to make sure there's no one to learn them. Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the entire we haven't even touched on that yet. The uh men in black that's entirely almost consistently their purpose is to make sure that people don't they avoid talking about aliens or uh seeing UFOs whatsoever. Their favorite thing in the entire world is secrets. So, after this encounter, the uh IFSB was disbanded. However, Repressed memories are a thing when dealing with the men in black, and years later, Bender claimed that some more dramatic events occurred. You could argue that this is just him trying to make the story more epic because he's writing a book about it, or you could, you know, whatever. None, you guys weren't there. You don't know. So Bender claimed that the men in black essentially Vulcan gripped him. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not joking. A soda rub. <laughs> they, they grabbed his shoulder and he was out. And where else did he wake up? But in a, uh, this is my favorite part of this entire story. Uh, where else did he wake up? But a secret military base in Antarctica. Damn it, Ian was right. <laughs> I mean, if the Nazis have a secret base in Antarctica, why can't the MIB? Right. I mean, have you seen how they've parceled out Antarctica? Right. There could be lots of secret bases there. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. it's just ice on top of ice. I mean, they could fight each other, but it's really cold. And there's heat over here, so I'm good. So 
Exactly. The MIB revealed to Bender that they were only presenting as human and made skin suits using earthlings. Well, Does that sound familiar the to lizard anyone? people did it much better. That's all I'm going to say. I'm Nobody ever this... looked, well, okay, they've looked at a few people, but most of the time you look at the lizard lizard suit person and you're like, yeah, that's a celebrity. Are the, and then I... you look at Cher, but you know. Oh my God. Okay. So listen, hear me out. Hear me out. So let's say that the lizard, the reptilians are the army, essentially. And... <laughs> And the men in black are just essentially super troopers, highway patrol that don't get any sort of budget whatsoever. Oh, they were just the ones that were like, we want to be part of it. And they, the, the higher ups were like, okay. No, they're still like fully. So they're a different species, but they just kind of outsource it to the uh, race that is the men in black. And they, <laughs> but they don't get the funding that the lizard people do. So their suits aren't as nice. What if the reptilians do it on purpose to like <laughs> to like draw attention away from them? They're like, oh, if people are focusing on the men in black, they won't be focusing the, on us. The men in black are the patsies. Oh my god! Hey, yes. <laughs> Newsflash: Humans can focus on two things at one time. So after, uh, so after they wake, just not very well, just not very well. So after they wake up and uh, tell him that he's in Antarctica, they proceed to berate Bender. For every horrible thing the human race has ever done. Um, talking about how we are a chaotic and basically new species. Uh, we have torn our planet asunder. We, like, just every societal problem that we have is like, I'm going to yell at you about because this. Because this poor little nerd boy with his adorable glasses and his little bow tie is really the to blame for all of <laughs> no, you. No, seriously. This is your fault, Bender. You didn't keep the time enough. Oh, you're going to give this guy a complex. So they said that the only reason they were there is because they needed our seawater because it made great fuel for their ships. So we are essentially, and this is not my original joke, I will say, but we are essentially a gas station in a bad neighborhood. Hey, hey, <laughs> m hey if we have any uh, MIB agents listening in, <laughs> um, Saturn has a moon that's pure seawater, as far as we can tell. You can refill there. Yeah, but they don't have big gulps there. <laughs> we're just closer to their exit. Or slip right. <gasps> Yeah, we're the exit on the uh, the galactic highway. Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, why? I don't know. Solar streams. And then they uh, <laughs> and then they revealed to him what they looked like, and I forget the uh, name of the cryptid, but they essentially are these really giant, actually very very large creatures that have um teardrop shaped like crests of Ooh. on their heads and gigantic glowing red eyes and these giant like silver skirts that they just kind of hover. So apparently so, that's what they look like. So do they have to is the reason they look so weird in their skin suits is because unlike a reptilian who can put on the skin suit and fit fairly well they have to like fold themselves up to fit into it. That's the only way that I can think of. Or space physics. Space physics. It's bigger on the inside. Space physics. Yep. Physicus. 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 So the before the they skits. <laughs> Don't make. I put Derek in free speech jail yesterday. Don't make me put you in free speech jail too. So does it come with a cool hat? <laughs> no, but we can we can get some made up. So before they sent him back to his attic, he was told. This from the men in black. You are charged to keep our secrets. We do not wish to take extreme action. You will find that you will often consider giving away some part of this information. When you get such thoughts, you will be reminded of the consequences by headaches, which will be almost unbearable to you. We advise that you beware more serious afflictions we can bring about. So they created migraines. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So does that I mean hate if them we, already? Does that mean if we have migraines that we've had a run in with the men in black? Yeah. No, it means uh, somebody told you about it and you've been talking too much about it. Or or does it just mean that there's a blood pressure imbalance in your brain? Or maybe Voldemort is tapping into your psyche. 
Well, he's going to have a real bad time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that meme of that demon. I have now taken you. So- oh, God. Why does everything hurt? What yeah, is wrong with you? <laughs> you get used to it. <laughs> and then they just took him back to his home. And then he wrote a bunch of books about it. While suffering migraines? And so, Yeah. So, but that's what I don't understand is every, every single time somebody makes a report about the men in black, they instruct them to keep the secret. And then they tell the secret, and then nothing happens. Well, well, here's the thing. So let's just assume that these are a highly advanced alien race. Yeah. Who, who clearly think that they're much, much better than humanity. Mm-hmm. Because they probably are. <laughs> the thing you have to remember about humans is we don't listen very well. Yeah. And if you tell us not to do something, <laughs> don't push this button. <laughs> like, that's not a good way to, like, because instantly, even if you weren't planning to do something, the second somebody's like, don't do that, you're like, well, why? But I want to know. <laughs> but I, but I want to. <laughs> well, and I don't want to touch it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ooh, push the button. <laughs> don't push this button. Why not? It's red and huge and My says, favorite, don't push. You know how you fix that is. You go, no, I understand that. I just want to know why. And then they tell you, and then you get to do it anyway. Yeah. So so what I'm saying is you have to follow through with your threads. Well, and that and that's something to note is that um, most of the stuff that's gotten out doesn't have any hard proof behind it. And mm-hmm. and most of the violent episodes with them with the MIBs involves taking away hard proof. So yeah. I think yeah. it's just that they're like, ah. Eh, most of the rest of the world is just going to point and laugh. So we're not worried about it. We're going to take your evidence away. <gasps> Who's going to believe these guys? Five people up in, in an attic at oh a my podcast God. studio. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, this makes absolute sense. Uh, the Whenever we talked about our alien abduction episode, we talked in detail about how people's lives are absolutely ruined by, um, by outing themselves and being like, I was abducted. I've seen UFOs. I'm a huge advocate for UFOs. People's lives are absolutely ruined for this. So maybe it is the direct result of the MIB messing up your life because you won't shut your mouth. I mean, maybe. That's not a it's not a great way to get people to shut up, though, because at some point people are going to be like, ah, I already lost everything. See, snitches get stitches, but uh, People that rat out the MIB wind up in alleys with tinfoil hats on screaming, the end is nigh! Hey, don't knock my retirement plan. (laughs) (laughs) Joy, I heard you had a UFO or a Men in Black story. I do. So uh, mine's a little bit closer to home. It's the Maury Island incident, which is in the Puget Sound. So um, for those of you who haven't heard anything about it, I mean, it was pretty big in the 40s, but then, of course, fell out of favor, but um, was covered by the um, same um, book company that covered uh, Katie's story. Okay, um, so yeah. They, they published uh, they published a similar thing, and, and recently, in, like, 2008 or 9, um, a, a small independent film company did a, did a deep dive into it and uh, went back to all the, all the locations and stuff like that, and in two, 2007... Uh, to get ready for the film, uh, there was another company that actually like looked at the evidence again and uh, the hard evidence that was left behind because uh, a lot of it just kind of disappeared in a fiery plane crash. Ooh, Sorry. a mysterious plane crash, Joy. Uh, yes. Well, not not terribly mysterious, um, but kind of interesting. So basically, uh, June twenty first, nineteen forty seven, uh, Harold Dahl uh, was uh, boating. Uh, out near Maury Island with his dog and his son, and he claimed to see five or six um, saucer-shaped objects, one of which seemed to be in distress, uh, and then it disintegrated. He, uh, he said it didn't blow up. It just suddenly, like, fell to pieces. Um, the pieces hit his boat, killed his dog, injured his child. Um, and, <clears throat> and so uh, he had a few of the pieces, and contacted his he he worked in a lumber mill, I think it was, and he contacted uh, his employer, Fred Crisman, and gave some of the pieces to him and said what happened. 
Um, I'm assuming probably to get some time off to deal with everything. It, they didn't really cover like that. A in... flying saucer killed my dog and injured my son. Here's the proof. <laughs> Here's the proof. <laughs> right. So, um, are you sure you're just not trying to get out of work, bud? Right. So, um, and then he didn't actually really uh, report out all of that uh, until the 26th, which was uh, right after uh, the sighting over the Cascades of uh, that that was in the. Um, I want to say the Seattle Post, I think it was. Okay. Now, um, when was this exactly? So this was this was in June of 1947. Okay. Um, and uh, so Fred Christman actually contacted um, someone to come look at the pieces. And um, they actually ended up, the Army Intelligence uh, <sighs> took interest in it and sent two gentlemen from um, California, uh, Captain Davidson and Lieutenant Brown, uh, and they flew over in a B-52 bomber to uh, take uh, possession of of the pieces. That's your problem. You always drive. Right. <laughs> so um, they they took possession of the pieces and uh, and met with uh, Harold Dahl to get his part of the story um, and then left. And uh, over Kelso, Washington, uh, the uh, one of the engines caught fire. The 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 wing got torn off and the uh, plane crashed. Um, suspiciously suspicious. Um, freaking Washington man right and uh, shortly after that Harold Dahl actually um, uh, recanted his story and uh, claimed that uh, it was a hoax he made it all up and uh, he didn't want any more trouble uh, he Ooh, they got to him he yes he later he later uh, talked to his boss again and stated that a, a man in a black suit had come to see him and said that it would be in his best interest to um, just stop talking about it okay so they're essentially just space mobsters like they're not really space cops they're space mobsters of just like this is a not this is a nice dog and child you got here shame if something happened to it <laughs> well the dog was already dead, dead. <laughs> well um, yeah you trashed <laughs> The so, really Mafia creepy, 101. The really creepy aspect of this is um, so um, the FBI did a, a, a big investigation because there were five anonymous calls made um, to a Boise newspaper, uh, the Seattle Post, and a couple of other um, Seattle uh, news uh, news outlets, claiming that um, they had seen uh, something hit the plane uh, before it went down. And McCord Air Force Base uh, received a couple of these calls as well. And they, um, there were stories that, that contradicted each other as far as from, from the Air Force Base, from people who had been monitoring the flight. Um, and then all of a sudden, kind of their, all of their stories were the same. And, it's and because they got to them. Yeah. Uh, so the one thing that, that so Jack B. Wilcox was called out from the FBI there in Seattle to uh, to investigate it, and so they've uh, they released in the early 2000s they released the redacted version of his report, and um, the really cool thing is is that he uh, we can't talk to him, and they could they couldn't talk to him before uh, the 2007 uh, when when people started looking back into it to make this film what? because he had died here in Kenwick, Washington in 2004. Oh. Washington, what? <laughs> Joy, okay, so, okay. I know we're talking about the men in black right now, but how many of you guys are um, familiar with the Denver airport? I swear to God, I have a point. The Denver airport is freaky. The Denver airport is a portal to hell. So I they think- They have a possessed horse statue right in the front. Yeah, the, okay. Mm, okay, so I think that the entire state of Washington is- not necessarily a portal to hell, but is a portal to something. I, I just, think we might be like first landing zone. We've got just these strip of lights we're un totally unaware of. Yeah, yeah. That's not the like, northern lights. That's that's like they're they're taxiing in the. Is runway. it the Bifrost? <laughs> so I know that like I don't think I know Katie's not a Doctor Who fan. I don't know if Travis is a Doctor Who fan, but I know Joy is. Yes. I think the MIB are just less successful silence. Right. Which is funny because um uh one of the uh things that that shows up in a lot of the later stories in the seven in the seventies is that um 
the they do call the MIBs the silent ones or the enforcers of silence, which is really funny. Yeah, but the fact that people remember talking to them, right, just means that they're really bad at what they're doing. Yeah, but I mean, they can't really. Other than the fact that they often say that they're wearing a black suit, they creep them out and they're pale. That's like right. we don't really get any defining characteristics, even though most of the time they can tell you there were three of them and that they were different enough that they knew which one was which, but they can't tell you why. For those Ooh. of you who don't watch Doctor Who, the Silence are an alien race that kind of like they kind of have the gray kind of big bulgy head, but they're really wrinkly and weird and they don't really have mouths, but they all wear these nice black suits. And when you interact with them, as soon as you are not looking at them anymore, you instantly forget that you've seen them. Ew. Yeah. First of all. Second. Nerd. <laughs> Third. Okay. So the, so the silence is essentially just the men in black without the mask, without the weird yeah. red lipped mask. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can totally get behind that. So th then further down, like later on, uh, when they released the uh, McCord Air Force Base information, um, it was found out that, well, I, I'm sure they knew, knew it back then, too. But um, so the uh, crew chief and a hitchhiker parachuted out and survived. What? In in the it, it's the only thing like the crew chief's name in the FBI report is is, is redacted, but nowhere in the report. Is there a redacted version of the hitchhiker or where his name would be? So it's just the hitchhiker. The hitchhiker on an army intelligence B-52. Did he have did he have the ring? <laughs> <laughs> then the, and all of the reports just refer Hannah, refer to this this, this individual as the hitchhiker. There is nowhere in any of the in any of the reports, redacted or otherwise, the What, what the happened? To the other guy. To the to the crew chief? Well, because you said the the one guy and the hitchhiker parachuted out. Yes. But there were two guys that went originally. Right, yes. The Captain Davidson and Lieutenant Brown, they both died in the crash. They were the, also the only two known to have uh, uh have seen or okay. taken the uh the debris. So were there three were there four people total? <laughs> On the way back, there were four. The crew chief supposedly flew out with them although they don't they don't say if it's the same crew, crew chief that okay. went back because the person the, the crew chief going back doesn't have a name redacted oh. or otherwise so okay. there are two individuals who go back with them um one of which who isn't named or given like a title at all except the hitchhiker that's really ominous right <laughs> like like i'm just i know it was a different time back back then i mean I but know. i'm just imagining like some guy in his scrubby clothes walking up and being like Hey, you heading to Lockheed no, no, Martin? No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So let's say that the hitchhiker, quote unquote, is, let's say for argument's sake, that he is a, a men in black. He is some sort of like weird thingy. And I don't know a whole lot about B-52s, but if you squeeze four people in there, it's going to be kind of a snug fit. It's going to be real easy to tell whether or not it's human or not. No, just me. Okay, unless <laughs> unless it was a, you know, a lizard person or something. But. Unless it was a what, a what, a what, a what? You heard me. Report everybody the segment of the show where I out a lizard person and tell you why they're a lizard person. This week, spoilers, is not going to be Jim Carrey because Corey isn't here and I need him to yell at me about it today. Again, once again, I am a creature of habit. We'll be talking about yet another musician. We're going to be talking about Mr. Lars Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know who Mr. Lars Ulrich is, he is the uh, drummer for Metallica and a world-class douche. My brother hit him with a chew can. Nice. I love, really? I love your brother. <laughs> yep. Congratulations on having a cool brother. <laughs> Good job, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. So uh, let's get into a couple. Re so there's a couple pieces of evidence as to why he's a lizard person. But most of my favorite thing about this reptilian report is that I have a bit of a theory. So Lars Ulrich eats pizza with no toppings, no cheese. No, nothing. He will order a regular pizza 
and then take all of the toppings off and then just eat the crust. Does he does he scrape the sauce off or does he leave the like? Is it? It just, just says he takes the toppings off. So probably so, leaves the sauce on or at least some of it. Yeah. What does he twelve? Hey, hey, bud. <laughs> I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you can actually just order a pizza with the sauce. Yeah, you have like a lot of money, man. You like, could probably afford that. like you. That just saying. Maybe he wants like the leftover flavor bits. That you get from baking everything on top, but not the actual leftover solids. flavor bit. I like. Aren't lizard people <laughs> supposed to be car- aren't lizard people supposed to be carnivorous? Like, why wouldn't he like the D- meat? Your guess is as good as mine. I don't understand. I the think meat. if he's a <laughs> maybe they is- accidentally got a vegetarian skin suit for him, and it keeps influencing him. Oh my god! So it, he like actually can't process it. <laughs> he probably deserves that. <laughs> okay, so this is. So his personal assistant, whose name is Barbara, by the way, Barbara, Barbara, does everything for Lars. This is a middle-aged man. Uh, she uh, claims this. Lars is open about this. She uh, puts a watch on his wrist every morning, turns on his computer every morning, etc. If I were obscenely rich, like to the point of just hemorrhaging money for whatever. Yeah. I might have somebody put a watch on me every morning. See, I feel like I I fully understand it because that would be fun for me for like a week. And then I would just be wildly uncomfortable because sometimes I like to do embarrassing stuff in the morning when nobody is around. So also, this is a middle-aged man. Okay. This is a grown man with children, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, he could be like a teenage lizard person and they're just giving him all the human trappings. Ursa, like this guy cannot human and he's rich enough that he doesn't want to. So this is not, so both of these things are very damning evidence. But this is not why I think he's a lizard person. The reason I think he's a lizard person is because of how horrible he looks in (laughs) comparison to, like this is going to be a mean reptilian report, but it's, it's Lars Ulrich. I don't care. So, compared to early days of Metallica, he looks awful. He bears a startling resemblance to the cockroach guy in what movie? The Men in Black. The Men in Black. <laughs> Sugar water. Get it off <laughs> so, uh, to quote a friend of mine who, uh, to quote my research assistant, uh, after 30 years of tobacco, liquor, and bad-hearted women, his suit is pretty much disintegrating and he needs a new one, but won't get one because if he does, the masses will think he's gotten plastic surgery. And according to Western social norms, plastic surgery isn't metal, man. <laughs> just take another... Okay. Just, no. Just just go get another metal artist skin suit. Just have Lars Ulrich die and get and lose all that Napster money. <laughs> he could gift it to himself. <laughs> this is my successor. He gets everything. Excuse me, I have to go change. <laughs> I've, I've trained. I've I've spent so much time training this person to take over my legacy. This is the best Lars Ulrich impression I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I don't even know what he sounds like. Some kind of yapping dog. He's uh, <laughs> he's very Danish. Not actually from Europe, but just like, wow, that was going to be offensive to Danish people. I'm going <laughs> to shut up. General consensus. General consensus. I I I'm down with absolutely. That. Just go. Just and if you don't believe me, just go and look up pictures of Lars Ulrich, and look at and do just like super close-ups of his face while he's performing, that's not human skin. That is still alive. Like, the tissue is dying, essentially. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Travis? Yeah, I I can get behind that. Okay, perfect. You got some news for me, Hannah? I do. (gasps) Um, I'm not Corey, which means I I wasn't able to ferret out anything that's relevant to the Men in Black. (laughs) Because I'm sure if Corey was here, he would have been like, oh, there's, I have a I have a UFO incident. Or there, I is, have a- there is a, as we touched on earlier, there is a massive amount of, or there's a steadily decreasing amount of 
men in black sightings yeah. in modern history. But I've got some interesting ones and one kind of creepy one. Okay. <laughs> First one that I have comes to us from Nevada, where a hearse driver was cited for incorrect use of the carpool lane because he <laughs> tried to claim that having a dead body in his hearse meant that he had a passenger. No, screw that! <laughs> I am totally behind that. I mean, no, it's, not, it's not a mannequin. It's, it's still... It was a person. It's still sort of a person. Dead people are people too, man. <laughs> right? The Nevada Highway Patrol has issued a statement saying that you can only use the carpool lane if all passengers are living. That's stupid. <laughs> That's a stupid law. What state was this? Nevada. Yeah, I need to send a very strongly worded letter. No, that's stupid. If you have a dead person in the car that got there from natural and ethical causes, you should be able to use the carpool lane. That is some bull crap. I mean, how are we supposed to do weekend at Bernie's if we can't bring Bernie? Okay, that's exactly why I said natural and ethical reasons for the body <laughs> being in your car. I'm just saying... If you can pull it off looking like a passenger. <laughs> but it was just in the coffin in the back. <laughs> <laughs> in Oklahoma, a couple was pulled over. A car thief. They, they stole a car. Okay. Um, the couple stole a car? The couple stole a car. Okay. Yep. Uh, they were pulled over. And police found in the car with them. Oh, God. Uh, along with a gun, a rattlesnake. Alive or dead? I believe it was alive. What? <laughs> a, an open bottle of Kentucky Deluxe Whiskey, which yeah! is probably, why, yeah. which is probably why they had the rattlesnake. A canister of radioactive powdered uranium. Oops. I, I remember uh, that story coming across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, okay, when you're just going on a bit of a bender and you've got this hot guy with a muscle car that he found, quote unquote, <laughs> you tend to let the weird stuff slide, okay? <laughs> In uh, kind of funny news, uh, police in Missouri, in uh, Liberty, Missouri, were pursuing a suspect, and he tried to hide from them and farted so loudly that he gave away his position. Oh. I get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Like, like, they couldn't find him. He almost got away. Oh, my God. Like, they were about to call off the search, and then he farted. Okay. So, Okay. So this guy, this poor, poor man, is just going to be known as Paul Blart when he goes to prison. <laughs> For, forever. And I'm so sorry, man. That's, I know that's not how you wanted to go, but damn if, is it, if it isn't a good story. Um, in horror fuel news, Ooh. Uh, suspecting that climate change is at least partially responsible. At least partially. At least partially. Um, wasps are forming super nests. No, Hannah. Um, no, I can't. Some have... of these nests can be the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, housing Hannah. as many as fifteen thousand wasps. As if like twelve wasn't scary enough. <laughs> Hannah, no, <laughs> I can't have wasp Sharknado. <laughs> I won't survive. My lily so, white delicate skin so will not take it. The winter freeze tends to kill off a lot of wasp colonies. But probably not the super ones. But the bigger the colony, the better the heat retention. Yep. No. No. So I'm just saying. So they've got. <clears throat> save excuse the planet. Me, they've gotten smart. <laughs> get rid They're of learning. super wasps. In other nightmare fuel for very different reasons. Um, in Arizona, a body donation facility. This is this is one of those places where when people donate their bodies to science, body farms. Yeah, yeah. we talked about it in the death episode. The body goes there, and then yeah. it's processed and sent to wherever it needs to go. Yeah. They're being sued uh, after reports were filed against them that alleging that the donors were being dismembered and sold for profit. 
Oh, the FBI cool. raided the facility and found buckets full of body parts, genitalias in coolers, and heads and bodies of different people sewn together. Oh my god. Straight okay. up reanimator. First huh? of all, straight up reanimator. The words genitalias as a plural is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Second of all, this is some Jeepers Creepers type situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, worst what? part is depending the on how long since they were keeping them in coolers, depending on how long they had them, they could there could actually be viable genetic material there oh, yeah, that no. they could have been selling. Yeah, no, they, oh. they they definitely found evidence that some of the body parts were missing. Like, so they have been selling them. Or it's um, just like Hannibal's supermarket, or it's just maybe. A Hannibal supermarket. Okay. The bodies were cut up with chainsaws and bandsaws. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Pools of human butt, blood and bodily fluid were found on the floor of the freezer. There were no tags to mark the corpses, so they weren't keeping track of who was who. Mm-hmm. They, oh they my were literally god. yeah. Um there like they were just buckets of heads and arms and legs, and like there were infected heads. Oh, Wait, like, like rot. I think they meant rotting, but okay, said, I the said, police officer said infected. It's infected with death. <laughs> um, there were some that were actually had like they was they found like a list with prices. Oh no! Ooh. So in case okay. you wanted to know, a head is priced at five hundred dollars, yep. while arms are seven fifty. Okay, so I have <laughs> super a la carte. Okay, so I just want Ooh. to um. I just want to put this out there. Uh, there are people who uh, are that who, as ethically as possible, collect oddities and uh, different forms of taxidermy. And sometimes, depending on where you go, it's actually very easy to get human remains. Yeah. Um. All you have to say is kind of walk into a a. a you're looking a for med- medical specimens. Yep. Honestly, all you have to do is walk into a medical lab and say, "I'm a college student." They go, "Here's some teeth." Essentially. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's actually very easy. And uh, that is something that I am fascinated by and um, am and am an avid collector of. I a, do not have a human head. Please don't send me human body parts unless they're like bones or whatever. And also, if you got consent from the dead person. Yeah. So the thing that I hate the most about this story. Death is not consent to be collected. On top of everything else, the center's owner, the guy who ran the place, was sentenced to a year of deferred prison time and four years of probation. That's it. That's all he got. This guy had like an actual like body farm happening. This guy had an illegal enterprise and was, I don't know if he was the one or if one of his employees were the ones sewing people together, but he had people sewn together. (laughs) One of them was mounted on a wall. Oh. (laughs) It's not funny, but it's kind of funny. It's Uncle Jerry right next to the five point buck I got for Christmas last year. <laughs> I'm a bad person. Don't just ignore me, please. That's how I want to go. <laughs> and that that's it for news for me. So Oh my god. Don't okay. So what have we learned here, boys and girls? That um be careful who you donate your body to after you die. Yep. That's really all I got from <laughs> Also a full human body is worth about fifteen thousand dollars. Wait. A human body is worth fifteen thousand, but the head is only worth five hundred. Yeah, why? Because legs and arms go for more. What? Why? I don't know. There's a cannibal joke in there somewhere. <laughs> okay, so okay, wait. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on the body farm thing. So my question is: I know we're a little bit pressed for time, but my qu- okay. So there's the cannibalism aspect. Say you're wanting to buy body parts. There's just the weird collection aspect of it, and you can get it for cheaper if you get them illegally. Whatever. Don't do that. I'm not advocating for that at all. Then there's the cannibal people. Is there, are there the, are those the only two people? Or are those the only two people we really want to talk about right now? Well, chances are they're probably also selling them 
uh, like the resurrectionists did um, to anatomists. So people who are teaching classes. There, There's um, always a, like the classes thing. There's mm-hmm. always that. There's always, there's always going to be that one doctor or medical professional or somebody who's willing to break the law in order to get parts that they desperately need. Like if they don't have enough of this organ for the transplant people. I must or, continue funding for my research. Or they need skin for skin grafts or whatever. Like people do bad things with really good intentions a lot of times. And that's what happened in Reanimator. <laughs> <laughs> but but so I think that there's so there's the cannibals, there's the weird people that just like to collect stuff. And then there's like the well attacked. well-meaning professionals who are just going about it the wrong way. Okay. okay. Don't forget your, you know, your edgy dark lords who need them for ridiculousness. Also sacrifices, but you know, that's neither. They're either. already dead. Who are you <laughs> sacrificing? It I, again, not most of them don't actually have a clue of what they're doing or, and they're just following Hollywood ideals. Yeah. Also, a lot of those like uh, the fat of a dead red haired man right. and all that stuff. Those were like uh, I have newt toe of frog, all that stuff. Those were code words, not necessarily code words, but they were euphemisms for different like herbs and no, they were basically code words. Yeah, (laughs) secret witchy code. Yeah, because because it's not actually the eye of a newt. No, that's the thing, and people don't realize that. Like a lot, like ninety percent of like actual witchcraft doesn't involve harvesting living parts of things. But that's a different story. That's a story for another time. You know what is a story for another time or for this time? People died. People did die. Lots of people died. How many people died, Hannah? Well, I mean, lots of people <laughs> died. But uh, but I have three specific people to talk about today. None of hope I hope I, I hope ended up in the body farm. Well, I mean, considering that fingers crossed. Considering that the most recent one on my list was in 1984, I okay. really hope not. <laughs> that would be gross. Um, 1684, Elena uh, Pisco. But I can't say it's a it's an Italian name, Pascapia. Um, she was an Italian mathematician and the first woman to receive an academic degree from a university. Sweet. Oh, sick! Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. I was like, good on her. Um, 1957, uh, Carlos Castillo Armas. Okay, dictator and president of Guatemala, was assassinated <gasps> by a palace guard. At the age of 42. Escandalo. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then, since we're talking about weird body farms and cutting people up, 1984, Ed Gein died at the age of 78. Okay. So I have a weird fascination with Ed Gein because reasons. And I have heard that he made now something that will I'm sure we'll do an Ed Gein episode eventually. Uh, he actually they didn't take pictures of a lot of the stuff that he made because people kind of didn't know how to deal with it that he did all of this like he made all of these things and apparently he made a corset and I really want to know what the corset looks like. Me too. And there's nothing. Oh, there's no pictures of it. Nothing. Yeah. They could. You can barely find pictures of the nipple belt that he made. You, you know that it's got to be somewhere. Like, somebody has that corset. Find me the corset and the nipple belt. That is your homework, listeners. <laughs> I mean, it can't, it can't be any more disturbing or creepy than the lampshade that's made out of tattooed skin. <gasps> I would not buy that. That one makes me feel weird. All right. And on that note, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, We will absolutely be talking about the men in black a lot more. There is uh, aspects of it in the occult there. uh, You know who has a weird relationship with the uh, men in black is Aleister Crowley. Yeah, we'll get to that. That guy is in every conspiracy theory I can find. He won't leave me alone. Is he the king of the lizard people? (gasps) Next week on Underground Finals. Uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me. And thank you, listeners. Join us next week when I hypnotize the entire Underground Files crew, get them to share their horrible secrets with me, embellish those secrets heavily, and make millions on the best-selling book based on those secrets. Just like uh, Flora Rita Schreiber in Sybil. Next week on the Underground Files.
You've been listening to AU Radio Underground Files. Music is provided by Cubby, PurplePlanet.com, and Bensound.com. Views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Adventures Underground. AU Radio Podcast is a production of Adventures Underground Copyright 2018 All Rights Reserved. If you'd like to contact the show, follow us on Twitter at AU underscore radio, Facebook at AU Radio Podcast, Instagram at AU dot radio, or you can email the show at podcast at ADV You can also support this show and all the shows on AU Radio by becoming a patron of the AU Radio Network. Find us on Patreon as AU Radio at Adventures Underground. You can help us create this podcast and soon several others with as little as a dollar a month. Thanks for listening. Thank you.